Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. Everyone's excited about this year, especially on offense. We got the tools to be a really good offense. It's the start of a special journey. This group we have staff-wise, player-wise, it'll never be the same again. You want to make it count and, and make sure uh, we all put our best foot forward. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. Welcome back to State Farm Stadium as practice wraps up now on this Wednesday morning. Wolf ahead of the preseason game in Cincinnati on Friday. So this is uh, this is our last show out here for a while. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we live out here now. I kind of like it. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it is a little distracting from time to time while you're broadcasting, of course, and there's a practice going on, and you can look down and say, hey, look, I can't believe it. The quarterback's under center, and there it is out of 11 personnel with a little motion as well. Interesting. And yes, you can talk about it right now based on our needs because this is an open practice. Once again, there are fans of course sitting in the seats here at State Farm Stadium and it's just kind of cool to actually watch practice unfold as you're broadcasting. It was cool to see Kyler Murray sort of look like he was calling plays again too. I mean, I, I ultimately want to see him on the field moving around making plays, but if he's not going to be out there a ton, I don't mind him wearing the headset. No, that's a great point right there. Um, you know, typically I watch practice and I write it down uh, my thoughts overall and my thoughts, number one is the fact they're out in spiders Okay, this is the the fake shoulder pads they have right now and of course they've got their helmet on, their bonnet is on down there but they don't have full gear on, they just have the fake spider shoulder pads that they're wearing right now but they're walking through, dare I say jogging through their assignments right now, their practice is is patty cake, patty cake, baker's man, bake me a cake as fast as you can. That's what it is. But it's interesting because... This is the trade-off for wearing pads on Saturday. You yes, exactly that. right. And, and and I get it. And I fully expected them to be in spiders out here today. But this is the kind of thing that you, you watch and you know immediately that the depth chart they put together for the Cincinnati Bengals game is being replicated out here right now. The depth chart. Who's going to play? So they're basically walking through the game at this point right now. I kind of like that. I mean, you're basically treating this like a real game week for that depth chart. And and as we talked about yesterday, a lot of times you'll go into the first preseason game and they will hand you the depth chart and it is the team's depth chart and it means nothing for that game other than most of the guys that are listed first or even second aren't going to play. But the Cardinals did it a little bit different this week and they have it set up as if this is just a regular season game in Cincinnati, and to your point, they're running uh, practice today almost like it's that, and, and that's a good experience for these guys that are trying to make the team. It's probably a good experience even for a guy like Zayvon Collins, who is expected to play a good chunk of, uh, of that game, but also is obviously expected to start week one. And also, Wolf, uh, Zayvon Collins is expected to talk to us on this show today, so that'll be fun. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for that. No, How I, sweet is that? I have not. Uh, he's one of the few guys on this team I have not interviewed, so this is going to be fun. We're going to get some answers from Zavin. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, going to get some answers from Zavin. I look forward to that conversation right there, but it is interesting to look at the offensive line down there. I wonder how many reps Will Hernandez is truly going to get in this game. Um, based on the number of reps he's gotten out here, I think we could see him. Maybe some significant reps, and when I say significant, that's double-digit. 
significant. I don't know if you knew that, Luca. That's always that's, double. That's the, when you say significant. significant right there, you get 12, 15 reps out there. That's significant. Does that only apply to reps, or is that anything in the world? Significant always equals double digits. No, I think that's preseason reps. Okay. I think you, right. you have to go preseason reps. In it. And again, I put another governor on there, and that's for starters. Preseason reps for starters in preseason <laughs> games. I think it's about like that. It's like the metric system. I mean, you got, <laughs> you got Will Hernandez out there. He's going to be your starter, you would imagine, as the right guard for the Arizona Cardinals in 2022. He's getting 15 reps in a game. That's significant. Yeah, if that were to that happen, would be, I would call that significant. That would be significant right there. Oh, look, the quarterback is under center. and <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it was the tackle zone they were actually running right yeah, there. Okay. Are you kidding me? But to be fair, nobody's even wearing a helmet right now. No, I know. Okay. See, that's well, I just, why it's... Well, they're baking a cake. Well, I, that's what they're doing right now. Okay. They're not playing football. They're baking a cake right now, Luke. And yet at the same time, it's interesting because, again, these are the guys that are going to play. So you can tell they're running the plays that they think they're going to be running in the preseason game against the Bengals coming up Friday. And they also are giving them looks based on what they think they're going to get with the Bengals. So it's a good practice for guys that are actually going to play in this game coming up on Friday night. Dave Pash, I can tell you right now, the play-by-play guy, Il-Bahadl, as we like to call him from time to time. That's, the bird. That's who you were berating to try and come onto the show on the sidelines? Yeah, exactly. Dave Pash. He, he might come walking up, by the way, and just want to come on at some point in time. Hopefully he'll do that. Talk a little KD. I know he wants to talk KD. I want him to talk KD. <laughs> he wants to talk about Kevin Durant. I'm sure he'll come up here at some point in time. But, you know, Dave thinks it's the greatest thing in the world to actually get a depth chart that's going to reflect who's going to play on Friday night. I'm sure he he's does. All, he's doing the play-by-play. He's play-by-play guys, Luke. <laughs> he's play-by-play guys. Just knock it off. You want to talk about high maintenance. I'm kind of with Dave on this one. Why? Why? Because at least, first of all, Dave, who cares who's on the depth chart in preseason? If you're preparing to call a preseason game when the roster is like 1,700 people, it feels like, you want to know, okay, wait, I'm at least going to be talking about Greg Dortch, or I'm going to be talking about Andy Isabella, or whoever. I mean, I guess to a certain extent you have, you expect that, but I also would kind of want to know, oh yeah, Zayvon Collins is going to start this game. I don't hate it. I Honestly, I, I just look at David like, you are so high maintenance, it's, it's not even funny right now. Are you kidding me? I feel like you can't at you look at it and way. say to yourself... You know what? James Conner's not going to play. <laughs> he's number one on the depth chart, but he's probably not going to play. That's, you can't, that's you can't figure that out. <laughs> that's the extreme. I'm sure he could look and say, yeah, I don't think Kyler's going to play, but he might not know which offensive linemen are going to start. You, he, he, look at Will Hernandez as the only guy that is out there listed as a starter. Okay, You couldn't figure that out if, if, if you had Cliff Kingsbury saying, no, listen, we're, we're only going to run a couple of guys out there, a couple of starters out there. You couldn't figure it out? I, who, I mean, honestly, I don't know. Will's putting Listen, in some work. He's play-by-play guys. Yeah, They're no, high-maintenance, period. I don't know what to tell you. Will Hernandez is putting some work in, though, these uh, these first couple weeks of camp because he's out there constantly. He's got some sauce going right yeah, now. So, yeah. um, you know, it's good. Uh, honestly, I Will Hernandez is a guy, Justin Pugh. Uh, Justin Pugh absolutely loves him. Everybody on the offensive line loves Will Hernandez. Do you know why they love him, Luke? That's good because he's the new guy. Uh, they love him because he's a brawler and he's a refrigerator. <laughs> he's a brawling refrigerator. Is there anything better 
that a guy that looks like a refrigerator who just is a brawler, somebody's throwing some haymakers out there and getting a little movement at the point of attack. And when you I, ask I, him about it, he's like, was that me? I don't I don't remember if that was me this, fighting J.J. Watt. Can I tell you right now, with a combination of Rodney Hudson and Calvin Beecham, but in particular Rodney Hudson and Will Hernandez, um, these guys coming off the ball, I, I cannot wait to see that, what kind of movement they get. Will Hernandez, you think you're going to bowl Will Hernandez? You think you're going to bowl rush him? Is that what you're going to do? You're going to line up and just try to run over Will Hernandez? I can tell you right now, Luke, if that's your strategy, you're probably in for a rude awakening because he's got an anchor. Do you know what an anchor is? It probably wouldn't work for me because he's got about 150 pounds on me. Okay, yeah. Oh, he, that so would in, be so bad. In this scenario, you. am I Aaron Donald Honestly, or am I me? No, you, you're you. Still me. You'd be <laughs> in trouble. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, he's got an anchor. Like if you try to run him over, he can always drop that anchor. See, it's his butt. And his butt is absolutely massive. Will will tell you that. It's not a it's not a it's not something that is is dissing Will Hernandez by saying that he's got this anchor. And see what happens is when you try to bowl an offensive I like big foot <laughs> I mean you call you basically what you do is he drops his weight and that butt goes down and guess what? You can't move him from that point You're forward. Describing him as a boat. <laughs> I'm just telling you, Will Hernandez. He invites the bull rush. He's gone from uh, refrigerator to boat in the span of like 12 seconds. All right, lots of football today, and like I said, we are going to talk to Zayvon Collins. Uh, but when we come back, can the Suns learn anything from all the drama that's going on and surrounding Kevin Durant in Brooklyn right now? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, welcome back to State Farm Stadium. Football wrapping up. Wolf, as you said, this is kind of, they're wrapping it up now until Friday, essentially. I mean, it's not completely done, but as far as, like, practices and really any chance of hitting anybody, the next players that the Cardinals will hit will be Bengals players. Yeah, you know, cannot wait, too, because we're going to see some Cardinal players out there on Friday night, of course, that the Arizona Cardinals are banking on to be good players this coming season. We're going to see Will Hernandez. We're going to see Zayvon Collins. We're going to see Marco Wilson. We're going to see some of these guys that the Cardinals are banking on to be good players, and they're going to get some live reps. Cannot wait for that. And I will once again remind you, Zayvon Collins going to join us here within a half hour or so. I would assume. Maybe a little bit. We'll see. But David Collins is joining us soon. Uh, Wolf, over to basketball. And I'm just going to start here with Shams. Talking about the Kevin Durant situation and where the Phoenix Suns are in his mind in terms of a contender to actually land Kevin Durant. Could Phoenix still come up with some kind of a package around Mikhail Bridges and four, five, six first-rounders to go send another team and try to get back in this race? Because once DeAndre Ayton had his contract offer sheet from Indiana, that four-year, $133 million deal, once it was matched by Phoenix, it really created a position for, for Phoenix. They didn't have many assets besides Mikhail Bridges and a bunch of draft picks. And so we'll see where Phoenix, it, it's it, to me, they are still very, very far behind from the rest of the pack. Um, but really, those are the three or four teams that I think can make, it still poses a serious threat for Kevin Durant. That's uh, Shams on the Pat McAfee show right there. What do you make of that, Wolf? Because I, I, as long as the Suns are still in the race, 
Yeah. I don't really care if they're running fourth because all it takes is one quick move and they are in first. Yeah, a couple of things about this. Um, I was really kind of um, encouraged because I'm at a point right now emotionally where I'm not so sure I want Kevin Durant. That's just me. But I was encouraged when I actually heard Bobby Marks yesterday talking about the fact that, you know what, it's probably it's probably two other teams that are in the running for for Kevin Durant right now and not the Phoenix Suns. Wait, I mean, so you that's were encouraged what by that because I was discouraged yeah, by that. I, I know. You know what? Honestly, I, I listen. The more and more I hear, the more and more I hear, and that's what I'm. I want to talk about stuff that I'm hearing from people that I trust an awful lot. The more and more I hear, man, the more and more I think, for whatever reason, Kevin Durant has turned into a diva more so than he has been previously. Well, yeah, I, I think I think if you just watch basketball closely and you follow the league, he doesn't seem like the same guy that he was when he was in Oklahoma City. Kevin Durant was very easy to root for when he was in Oklahoma City, right? Yes. He, for the longest Even time, when he went to Golden State, I was when he went to Golden State, I still was a hardcore Kevin Durant fan. Well, and for the longest time, he really did stick with Oklahoma City longer than a lot of guys would have. That does get lost in the shuffle. Sure. But, but now, you know, he goes to Golden State, gets a couple rings there, moves over to Brooklyn. Look, I think it's fair to ask, and we kind of we lightly touched on this yesterday, but I, I can't help but wonder in the back of my mind, as much as I want Kevin Durant here, if if we heard this afternoon, hey, the Suns just traded Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and a bunch of picks for Kevin Durant, it'd be awesome. But I would I would not be able to help but think they just felt this in Brooklyn not that long ago. Hey, we got Kevin Durant. This is going to be awesome. And it's not awesome for Brooklyn. It hasn't been awesome for Brooklyn at no, all. No, it has not been awesome for Brooklyn. It has not. Um, yeah, Golden State went ahead. They won a championship. That's great. Thank you very much. Next, uh, he's no longer there, and he's no longer there because he did not fit with their mentality. He didn't. He did not fit with their collective mentality. Which is why I laugh every time Golden State gets referenced as a as a possible landing spot for Kevin Durant. Exactly, exactly I'm right. going to go ahead and say that's the one place he's not going. I totally agree with your assessment on that one right there. But once again, ask yourself, why? Yes, he's he's incredibly talented. We're talking about we're talking about one of the best basketball players on the face of the planet, ladies and gentlemen. I understand that, and I do believe. Once again, if he comes here, I, I'm going to somehow get over my emotional funk. But the more and more that I read, the more and more that I listen to people that are in the industry, in the business, and what they say about him, this guy is a diva. Now, ask yourself right now. Does a diva mentality fit with the culture we think of when we think of the Phoenix Suns? No, and I'll keep going back to what I said yesterday. The one place you'll be able to convince me, you're not going to be able to convince me, but the one place you'll be able to talk me into like, okay, this there could be a downside to this, is if Kevin Durant comes here, doesn't love it after a year, and he's around DeAndre Ayton, giving him that sort of role model behavior of, hey, when you don't want to be somewhere, just you know, just kind of push your way out. Okay, so what what if you get Kevin Durant here, and that's great, that's fantastic, and all of a sudden you lose Mikhail Bridges, and you lose Cam Johnson, because I think those two guys are gone. I think you have to start there. A bunch of picks, and those two guys, gone. And maybe somebody else, Jay Crowder, throw in Jay Crowder as well. Okay, just think of the intensity. Think of the mental makeup 
think of the type of individual you're losing from that locker room. And then all of a sudden, you're going to bring some guy in who never seems to be happy, always seems to have a problem. And this is, once again, this is stuff that I'm hearing over and over and over again from different people, different entities that know different entities that are part of the grapevine in the NBA. But the flip side to this, and I don't disagree with everything you're saying, but as much as it has not worked in Brooklyn, if he's standing about a half inch further behind the three-point line in that Game 7 against Milwaukee two years ago, the Suns are probably playing the Nets in the finals, and he finishes that game with 49 points in the Game 7. And he didn't really get much help from the other guys there. Kyrie was playing half the time. Ben Simmons is like... Maybe Ben Simmons has been holding in for two years. I don't know. But Kevin Durant essentially dragged the team within an inch of going to the NBA, at least the the Eastern Conference Finals, and they would have beat Atlanta. And and see, I hear what you're saying, and I don't think of the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think of that team having this great culture. I don't. (laughs) Because they don't. Exactly. So now all of a sudden you've got a team that does have this great culture, and you're going to bring this guy in. What's that going to do? What What is that going to do? Especially if you're losing There's only one way part to find of out. who you are. No, Listen, I, look, once again, do do intellectually, do I want to see it? Yeah, I do. Emotionally, I don't. You and I are are on other sides of this, but not that far apart. Because as I'm saying, hey, look, look what Durant could do. I know you're saying, yeah, no, I know he would help the team. But there is, there is, a, there is another side to this. As a former professional athlete who walked around in NFL locker room for 10 years myself... And I grew up in a locker room. A lot of that stuff can have negative impact on a team. Well, a lot of stuff that doesn't happen on the field can have negative impact on a team. I'll just, I'll meet you halfway on this one too. Personality-wise, and and Kevin Durant, like him going to Golden State didn't bother me, and even him leaving Golden State that never bothered me. But just demeanor-wise, he feels like almost the exact opposite of Mikel Bridges, which is who you have to give up. There's, there's no way. And you, Cam Johnson, I'll throw Cam yeah, Johnson in there as well. But there's just, there's no way that you're getting a deal done. Where where, yeah, we gave up Cam and some picks. Like, okay, you're not getting Kevin Durant for that unless Kevin Durant says, I'm not going to play for any team in the NBA except Phoenix. And I think at a certain point, as ridiculous as this could get, I don't think he could do that. I think he may say, I'm not going to play for anybody except Phoenix, Miami, or Boston, or whoever his three teams are. But he can't just give one team. That's almost, That makes it almost impossible for the Nets to trade him. Yeah, again, uh, I've said it for the longest time, KD or run it back. Um, the more and more that I hear, uh, I'm I'm okay running it back. Well, this, this might be encouraging for you then and discouraging for me. This is more from Shams talking about Jalen Brown being the best trade piece out there right now. When you look at the best player counter that's on the board, I think Jalen Brown would have to be that. I think oh, if yeah. you can go get Scotty Barnes from Toronto, which right now Scotty Barnes is not on the table, I think you go do that as well. Um, but as it stands right now, Jalen Brown is probably that centerpiece of a trade that makes the most sense. Uh, but, uh, you know, Toronto, Miami, Boston, I think even Phoenix – even Phoenix, Even Phoenix as the last one in there. Look, I mean, as much as I like Mikel Bridges, have hope. he's not. He's, he's you not still Jaylen have Brown. hope, Luke. But if look, if all these teams add, line up with their best offer, I don't take Toronto seriously. It's not a knock on Toronto. I just I could see Durant being like, "No, I'm not going there. You could trade me there. I won't play." Yeah. And then why would Toronto give up Scotty Barnes for a guy that doesn't want to be there? And you could say, "Well, they did this with Kawhi and it worked." Yeah, it worked in that they won the title and then he immediately left. Yeah. So unless Durant delivers a title in his first year, I just don't take Toronto as seriously. But 
Boston for sure. If if Boston wants him and he doesn't mind going to Boston, they can offer more than the Suns can. Yes. They just it's true. I think he's going to Boston. If you tell me Jalen Braun is part of that package, yeah, he's going to Boston. Um also the yelling you hear in the background was Kyler Murray running over to sign more autographs. How about how cool is that right there, Kyler? Look at this this line now wraps like along the entire I think he's getting to that whole line. That's like an entire line. So. That's let's see, what is that? It's about seventy yards of people. Yeah, since I don't think all... so because what see what you do is you always have the walk around guy who goes with a guy like Kyler Murray. Okay. And Kyler doesn't make the decision as to when he's leaving uh, or not. It's see the walk around guys, hey Kyler, coach needs you. Make, make him go. be the bad guy. There it is. Yeah, that's, the bad that's guy smart is right walking with him. Well, right now he's at his own thirty five signing and the line extends into the opposing end zone. Yeah, that's bad. So he's got some work to do. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Roger Goodell has spoken on the Deshaun Watson situation. We'll give you the latest news around the National Football League next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. NFL. We're going to talk to uh, Zayvon Collins in a little bit, but we're going to go around the NFL right now, and I'm going to start you with Roger Goodell. As you know, it's part of the CBA. Uh, the two parties had that right. Uh, either party could, uh, could uh, certainly challenge uh, and appeal that, and that was something that we thought was our right to do, as well as the NFLPA, so we decided it was the right thing to do. So that's Goodell talking about appealing the Deshaun Watson suspension. Wolf, he also went on and talked about why they are specifically looking for a full year. We've seen the evidence. She was very clear about the evidence. Uh, she reinforced the evidence uh, that there was uh, multiple violations here, and they were egregious, and it was predatory behavior. That's, those are things that we felt um, always felt were really important for us to address in a way that's responsible. Yeah, I was really surprised when I, I was hearing a lot of analysts actually saying that they did not expect the NFL to appeal it. Um, when it came down, and it was six games. <laughs> that right there, when it wasn't at least half the season, I yeah. thought it was going to be a double-digit uh, uh, suspension. But when it came down, I, I was really, really pretty sure the NFL was going to appeal it when it was only six games. I don't think they had any other option but to appeal it because of the look. Because of the look. It's a bad look if they don't. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, they have to do it. I'm sure they want the story to go away. It was sort of weird, too. I mean, you hear him talking about part of the ruling. Like, the ruling itself, when it came down, the the, the logic that was put into it didn't add up to six games. You know what I mean? Like, even as he's talking right there, well, this is what she found when she was, you know, investigating it. Okay, well, that then that adds up to more to six games. So, we'll see. I mean, obviously, the NFL, they want the story to go away, but yes. it's not going to go away. Yeah, what he said right at the end of it, too, I think is very telling. The predatory behavior. It was serial. And because of that, they had no other option but to challenge it. Uh, over to that story in Chicago with Roquan Smith. This is a guy that's been pretty effective for the Bears. He's been, I don't know, I mean, over his four years in the league, the best player on the Bears, one of the two or three best players, I would say, each year on that team. Uh, Ian Rappaport on why Roquan is requesting a trade in the first place. 
Now, physically, Roquan Smith, the all-pro linebacker for the Chicago Bears, and likely their best player on defense, maybe best player in their entire organization. He is there. He is present. But he does not want to be there. He has requested that the organization trade him, trade Roquan Smith. Now, this after uh, intense contract negotiations have essentially broken down, and he has some grievances. Now, my understanding, Mike, is that Roquan Smith has lost what he believes is any trust in the organization. He believes they're trying to take advantage of him, uh, that the organization is trying to strong-arm him into a deal that is really uh, not something that, that he could take. One example, they're insisting on de-escalator clauses, which no player making $15 million or more has in their contract. The deal they offered him was highly, highly backloaded and would really hurt the entire linebacker market, and clearly he is offended by all of this. That sounds good. You know, I Anytime mean, Anytime you lose trust in the organization, that's a great sign, right? Yeah, when you think of the quarterbacks that have gotten extensions after three years in the National Football League, you think about it right there, right? And I think of Josh Allen, of course, and I think of Patrick Mahomes, and I think of Kyla Murray, of course. One of them is signing about a thousand autographs right now in exactly front of Exactly right. Um, I, listen, this is year four for Roquan. And Roquan is one of the best Mike backers in the game. So you can understand why he's a little upset that they haven't approached him on an extension right now and why they were actually let him play this season out. So I, I, I totally understand Roquan Smith and where he is right now. Uh, if you're a Cardinals fan wondering, okay, would that be a possibility for the Cardinals? I just don't think money-wise it would. It'd be nice to have Roquan Smith on the team. Everywhere I've looked seems to <laughs> seems to link him to Baltimore, which I think every defensive player gets linked to Baltimore. No doubt. I saw a couple where, a couple stories where he was linked to Atlanta. I, I, I mean, he's a really good player. You're not going to trade him. You don't think Chicago's going to trade him at all? There's no way. There's no way they're going to trade that guy right now. That's what? Bobby Wagner? That's Fred Warner? You're going to trade your Mike Backer, a guy that has been highly productive for you, a guy that has gone out there and played exceedingly well? What if they're in You're like, going to get rid of this if, guy? What if they feel like they're in full rebuild mode? Would you do it then? Listen, look, I wouldn't trade he's him. He's a guy you can rebuild around. Well, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's fair. We'll see. I just, you see these teams when they bottom out and they're like, well, we can't build a team around a defensive player no matter how hey, good they are. Look at DK Metcalf. He's still up there in Seattle. Well, that one doesn't Didn't make a hurt lot of him. Sense they me. went ahead and signed with 77 million. There you go, bud. Uh, speaking of extensions, Sean McVay uh, gets an extension with the LA Rams, so. Good for them. Is this the extension to the extension? Is that what you're saying right there? Is, is how many contracts has Sean McVay actually signed? It's very unclear. With the Rams? It's very. It, it sounds like this extension was signed at some point, and we don't even know exactly when. Sean McVay is one of those rare human beings that is put into the category of a Bill Belichick at a very young age. Everyone knew Bill Belichick was going to be a head coach, even when he was the defensive coordinator for the New York. Giants under Bill Parcells. Everybody knew this guy was was different. This guy was special. It's one of the reasons why he got multiple gigs, multiple offers, even after the Cleveland Browns disaster. <laughs> even after that happened right there, because everyone knew how good Bill Belichick was. Sean McVay is in the same category. 
right now one of the youngest coaches ever to take over an NFL franchise. I believe at the time he was the youngest coach to ever become a head coach. And now all of a sudden you're talking about maybe the best coach in the game, arguably the top two, three coaches I would in say, the game. I, I think if you were drafting coaches, I mean, Belichick is his own thing, obviously. Belichick's got the track record, but I think it would have to be Belichick or McVay, and if you're looking like long-term with your team, it's got to be McVay. What he's already accomplished, even Incredible. before he got the Super Bowl last year, look at what he had already accomplished. And I don't know about you, but like when I look at the Rams and I think, okay, this is going to be a contender again, I think more McVay than Stafford. It's not a knock on Stafford, but normally, don't you almost always think of the actual players over the coach? And look, I'm going to ask you this because you're a smart guy and oh you know, you've got a great memory <laughs> and you're going to remember this Setting right me here. up, okay. But once again, um, um, what is Sean McVay's record when the Rams have a lead at halftime? Is it still 49-0 and 0 or has it gone up? Stop it. That's absurd. No, it isn't. It is. That's just like saying there's no way that that is a legitimate record. There's no way that's, that stat applies. No way. And yet it does. Can you imagine that, having that kind of record? You're that good of a coach where you make all the adjustments you need to make going into the second half. That that stat would be impressive if it was he's 49-0 and when they have the lead with five minutes left. That's the entire second half of your team. That's impossible to me. All right, uh, Kyler has left the field. He did sign a ton of autographs. Legendary grunge band Alice in Chains is heading to Octane Pavilion September 10th. Limited tickets are available, but you can win a pair now by heading to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. We come back. What does Zabin Collins think of how camp has gone so far heading into that first preseason game on Friday? We're going to ask him next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. All right, we are back here at State Farm Stadium and pleased to be joined by a guy that we're very uh, interested to see what he's going to do on the field Friday and certainly this season. Zaven Collins is in the uh, booth with us right now. Zaven, first of all, man, thank you for the time. How has your second training camp been going for you? I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Um, it's been going well so far. Uh, a lot of good things, a lot of learning experiences, a lot of growth from last year and moving in the right direction. So go ahead. Give me the facts right now, Zaven. What What's your weight at right now and where do you want it to be? Yet. Uh, that's something that I remember when I was a player, of course. Everybody wanted to know what your weight was. And going into training camp, it was really important that you you were going to get near your playing weight. What is it now, and are you going to play at the same weight? Yeah, so I think just kind of saying where I was last year to now. So, like, last year I re- averaged anywhere between – 260 to 265 within the season while wow. moving and then right now I've leaned a little bit so I'm not a lot but I'm between 258 and 263 which is you know kind of it kind of moves kind of moving weight all you know throughout your body so uh, I feel a little bit leaner a little bit faster so moving in the right direction exactly so what, what is the weight you want to be at when we start against the Chiefs where I'm at now uh, 259 uh, 260 somewhere in there okay that's awesome 
What's uh, you know so much was made uh, you know first round pick rookie year everything and then you didn't really have a normal offseason leading into last year. So just how much of a difference is it for you here that this is about as, as normal as it gets in the NFL? You can actually ramp up and prepare for a full now seventeen week season. Yeah, it's nice because I um I got to experience the whole uh, summer off season, the OTAs, the mini camp last year. We didn't have that. You get to go in. You could be a, be in the workout program, kind of do workouts that contribute to your individual period, to your on the field play. So that all kind of contributes to you know when you go out onto the field and like you know also being in the building, talking about football. You know you're not going to go into Arizona Cardinals facility and not talk about football, even though you know what I'm saying. Like that's like even when we're sitting there at lunch, we're like, hey, this, 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 and that. You know, talking about different concepts and stuff. So that is, um, you know, with just the players and stuff, that's that's what, you know, is good about being able to go in. So um, it was nice to have that this year. So where do you think you have grown the most, Saban, right now from year one to year two? Um, all areas, you know, you, you got to grow in all areas. But my biggest step is probably the mental side of the game, um, understanding how stuff works, understands the whys behind the defense, why are we doing this, why are we doing that, um, you know, and then honestly, you know, just being calm, collected, not feeling like I'm all over the place, out of control, you know, understanding, because obviously, you know, your mind isn't thinking as much, you're just playing now. So that has been a uh, big boost to my game. Who who are some of the guys that have been the most helpful? Like, is that Vance Joseph? Is that some of your teammates? Is that just experience? Yeah. Um, so uh, VJ and Billy really have been helpful about, you know, getting what we need to know across to us as a defense. Um, they're really good about that all the whole coaching stuff you know you'll have coaches from hey the they told the dbs this so we're going to change this This isn't going to affect you and this is going to affect this guy so that they're, they're really good about that and um so vj and billy d that's coach davis um that's what we call him so uh good guy by the way yeah great great people and then you know talking to veterans and stuff you know d-line front movements and you know dbs like buddha he's you know when we're dropping into coverages and the zones and stuff this is what he's seeing this is what he wants us to do and you know we kind of coordinate all together to kind of be one collective you know group working together so that's it's good so zabin how many reps do you think you might actually get on friday night i'm not sure yet so it, it all depends on you know what what happens during the game you know obviously there's going to be certain players since the first preseason game not participate in the game which is you know normal and uh i hopefully hopefully i get to play you know quite a bit i've you know didn't get to play I played in the beginning of the first year, had a little shoulder injury, some other stuff go on, kind of declined in play, and then, you know, towards the end of the year, started playing a lot more. So um, the end of the year was kind of good, but, you know, I kind of want to make up for the middle of the year last year, get back into, you know, playing football uh, how, how we were last year. So, If you got 15 reps, would that be something you'd like? Would you like more reps? I'd like more reps. More? More than 15, yeah, okay. for sure. You yeah. know what I love? One of the things I Couple love, saying that they're doing right here with you is it doesn't matter what the down and distance is doesn't matter if it's run down first and ten second and one to six or third and obvious pass situations i see you lining up the majority of the times inside yeah so 
Yeah, that was a, a big thing too. Is you know I'm six five, two sixty, which is the old school awesome. linebacker. So um, obviously, you know, with t- today's you know league, everyone is a little bit smaller, but a lot faster. So uh, that is the you know, will I be able to do this and this? And that's one of the things I've been working on. You know, my feet, my hand work, my eyes when it comes to pass coverage one on one with the backs, which is very important in you know those third and short, third and long, whatever it is. You know, man on man defenses or zone match coverages. We're talking to Zaven Collins. Uh, Zaven, you're a first rounder last year. Isaiah Simmons, a first rounder the year before. So you guys are always kind of linked together. And, and, and Cardinals fans see the upside, right? Like if you guys both really hit, this, the center of this defense is going to be set for a long time. Do you ever look around, though, with how much Isaiah Simmons is moving and just be like, where is this guy? Because it seems like every play he's somewhere different. Yeah, so me and Isaiah, um, we, we kind of play all kinds of. He plays in all three levels. I play on just the two levels. So I play in the, you know, sometimes down on the front, and I'll play in the mid level with the linebackers and stuff and all different positions. Today he's moving, you know, as you guys have seen all, all throughout. Um, he's a he's truly a Swiss knife. Um, so sometimes me and Zay will be right next to each other. Sometimes me and Zay will be a f- farthest apart. But that's also the problem. You know, sometimes I'm trying to make certain calls and I'm looking around like, what is he right now? So we got to know what he is. Um, so it's not just Isaiah that has to be locked into it. The guys who are also calling it, um, the mic, you know, who el- whoever else is helping the mic call the defense or whatever. Because there's a lot of a lot of verbiage that has to be, you know, mm. you know, pronounced before the play even happens. Just like the O line, you know, that me. Isaiah, another dude are all, you know, saying all kinds of stuff right before the play happens. So, you know, finding what he is, where he's at is very important. And it, yeah, like you said, it, it can get it can get rough. So the green dots, right? Everyone was talking about the green mm-hmm. dots, and a lot of times the Mike Backer has the green dot. Does it matter to you, Zaven, going into year number two, if you've got the green dot or not? It doesn't it doesn't really matter to me, but it it does not not matter, if that makes sense. Because it always I still have to get the call and make the call. You know what I mean? The green dot is just telling everyone the call. I'm still setting, you know, where's the blitz coming from? Where's the formation need to be set? Where? What is our front? What is our coverage? Is it, you know, this? Do we need to check out of something? All of our audibles for the defense. That is, I still have to do that. So I still am making he's just How's whoever that, coming, that is. David? How is that yeah. coming? Yeah, it's good. It's good. So it's like, you know, that's the verbiage that I was talking about. So I still have to understand Understand it. Totally. So we kind of, you know, compartmentalize when it comes in, you know, hey, last year with Jordan Hicks and Isaiah and me, if we're all three out there, this he's going to say the call. You know, if Jordan had the green dot, he's going to tell it to me. I'll tell it to D-line. Isaiah would be telling it to the DBs, and he's setting the front, setting the blitzes. So that way you're hitting all three areas right. at once, and it's boom, boom, boom. And that was kind of our job by compartmentalizing the call whenever that comes in. So that's how you got to do it instead of just putting it on one guy to say a lot lot of stuff. Yeah. So, it's nice. We're, uh, we're talking to Zaven Collins. Zaven, what do you think just in terms of the upside on this defense? Because you just rattled off some pretty good players. and I mean, you got Buda Baker and you got Jalen Thompson behind you. You got J.J. Oh, yeah. Watt up front. I mean, there, there's some some uh, some either established talent or some high upside guys on this defense this year. Yeah, so J.T. is absolutely unbelievable. Buda, every, uh, you know, those two back there are crazy. They cover ground like deers. <laughs> they're absolutely unreal. They, they are um, they are crazy they're the way they talk to us they won't they will scream a call at us until they get a butt tap from us you know tapping off on them so yeah we got you um you know jj he's good about but even me who 
this is year two for me, and I will go to him and I'll say, Jay, you know, I'd like to have you tighter on this player. Hey, don't, don't, don't do this movement. He's like, okay, I got you. Even though he's a, you know, vet, That's cool. vet, vet. Yeah. So it's nice, like, to him to be understanding, and then you know, we'll come to sideline. He'll be like, hey, this is why I'm doing this. I'm like, okay, just tap off on me to let me know, and then we're fine. So it's like, uh, it's nice to have all those, all those things with those guys, and you know, the vets being understanding and like knowing and that's the mature part about this team is being able to you know hey we'll get to the sideline not have our emotions in it talk about it come up with something and then go back out and execute it and that's the part about being a great defense that you have to have one of the very first things i was looking at last year for you being a mike linebacker being an inside linebacker as big as you are is will you stick your face into the fire <laughs> guess what david you pass that test. you will stick your face into the fire I love that. Now you got to be able to get off blocks as well. I saw you working on the sled by yourself after practice. Is that something you're trying to do? Yeah. So um, me and uh, uh, Coach Davis, we we work every you know before practice and after practice, and it's more of like you know instead of working an hour for one time a week on it, we do you know five minutes before practice, five minutes after practice every day. We do it every day, and you know it's just working on hands, mm. shock them, get separation you know get off because you know down in there in between you know the tackles like i mean you're gonna get held so you got to have extension you got to have long arms to get off blocks you know to get back into coverage and you have all that yeah so it's it's nice as long as you know i don't allow them to do it then it's uh something that i've been working on and you know working on you know getting out of there being patient on you know certain you know down and distances so that is something yeah we work on every day zavin we appreciate this man we're glad uh, camp going well for you and good luck this season all right i appreciate you guys thanks for having thanks, me on buddy. for sure that's uh zavin collins joining us right there when we come back it, it worked wolf talk dave passionate coming on the show he will join us next it's the wolf and luke show on 98.7 fm arizona sports station